Hello and welcome to Behind the Lashes with me, Joanna Lee. In this series, I'm going to be speaking to lash artists from around the globe. I want to know what makes them tick and also how they're surviving C19. My next guest here on Behind the Lashes has only been a lash artist for three years and yet she has won 18 awards in 14 months. And she's a really nice girl, so I can't even hate her. It's <laughs> Samantha Shirley or Sam. Hello, Sam. Hi. <laughs> Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. I feel honoured. So- I know you always as Samantha Jane because that's what I see you as all the time on my Instagram. So you've recently changed your name not that long ago and I didn't realise that you were more Sam than Samantha until I got to know you a bit better. Yeah, I'm always Sam. My dad called me Samantha because he wanted me to be a Sammy. I hated it. I didn't even like Sam until secondary school and then I was always a Sam. And then originally I was Sam's home beauty And then when I was going into training, I wanted to change my name and my, my name, my name with my surname just is too much of a mouthful. So I ended up with Samantha Jane and now everyone calls me Samantha. (laughs) So I feel like I'm being told off all the time. (laughs) Samantha. (laughs) Yeah, literally. So we're going to talk about your amazing lash career in a moment, but being behind the lashes, I just want to get a little bit nosy and dig behind the lashes. So what was life like for you growing up? What was your family set up? So my mum and dad were always together, um, married. I've one of four, so two boys, two girls, really big household we were the house that all the friends came around as well. So it was a very, very loud family to grow up in. Um, a nice life. Like we weren't well off by any means. Like my mum always worked. She um, gave up her job as a nurse, stacked shelves when she needed to. So there was always a parent around. It was a kind of case of one of us gets shoes one month, then another the next month. But now looking back I can see like how hard my mum and dad worked for it but grew up feeling the same as all my friends lived in a really nice area um yeah I had a nice life really like we were a very sociable family always hosting the Christmases I had a good group of friends at school yeah I didn't really were you a good student at school I was I was a totally different person to what everybody knows me now and people do not believe me I was incredibly shy I was so scared I would never play truant at school I would never not get my homework in because I was so scared of what would happen when I got home with my (laughs) mum and I don't know why because my mum wasn't like I know just never got told off I don't know why but yeah I was a really good student although sometimes I'd be doing history and maths just to get it in on time but uh yeah I wasn't naughty I didn't back chat are you st- I mean are, is that something that's inherent in you the fear of, of doing something wrong and being told off do you still have that now are you a rule player or has the rebel in you come out So I'd say later in life, I've definitely got a lot more confident, a lot more outgoing. Like shy is not a word that people would use to describe me nowadays. Um, 
and I am more of a rebel. However, the anxiety of have I offended that person or have I done something wrong, that's definitely still there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm a bit naughty sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you want to be when you grew up, Sam? So I always wanted to, when I was really little, my, I was really shy, didn't speak to anyone. So a teacher told my mum to put me in drama school to get me to be more outgoing and to talk to people, um, which it did like instantly. And then I didn't shut up at all. So I always wanted to be in like theatre, doing like dance and drama. And then as I got a bit older and the social life took over and I realised how much time I wanted to go out with my friends, that very quickly moved on to I wanted to do hair and makeup in theatre and TV. So my dad was a hairdresser and he was like, right, well, then you're going to do it all because TV and film might not work out. So do it all. And then you've got something to fall back on. So it's actually my dad why I did beauty because I was always just going to do hair and makeup. So that's yeah, I reckon from probably my first or second year at secondary school, that was it. I was always going to do hair and makeup and didn't even look at universities or colleges. I was going straight into that industry. So thanks, dad yeah otherwise I would never have done it and then later in life I would have been like ah what am I gonna do now <laughs> were you were you a daddy's girl no my sister was the daddy's girl but then where I did when I was 16 and I went to college where I did hair and beauty together that definitely brought me and my dad closer mm. and I worked in the salon and we became like we had our own little relationship but no I wasn't really a daddy's girl that came later in life yeah so how did you get into into sort of grown-up life when you what were relationships like did you get into boys quite early did you take your time no I took my time I was just I had no self-confidence at all which I say I do now but I still don't so I definitely was not interested in boys at all I just wanted to do girly stuff with my mates um and I'd say I'm quite old so I'd say back then we all weren't really interested in boys early like I'd say year nine was when people started thinking about boyfriends um but I got I mean, I dated someone, which was like a really young relationship mm. kind of thing. But I'd say my first proper boyfriend was when I was like 15. And he was technically two school years older. But because of my date of birth, we, there was only like 11 months between us. Um, and we stayed together till I was like 18 or 19. And I went traveling and we broke up. So we were together a good three or four years, pretty much all of my school life quite intense then at a young yeah age. my mum was like oh they'll be married with kids so it was a real shock when I finished college broke up and then went traveling did you <laughs> break up with him or was it the other way around yeah I broke up with him we had a joint account and we were like saving for this future and it was mental but at the time I was just going along and it was fine and there was nothing he was an absolute gent he was an amazing man and I worked in a pub at this point like as a part-time job and a friend of mine was going back home to New Zealand she was like why don't you come and I was like yeah all right then booked a flight didn't even think about it we did everything together like we were like a married and old married couple and I suddenly thought this means something I didn't even say to him and it was like two months later I was like oh yeah I've booked a holiday to New Zealand and he was like what I was like oh this is telling me something here oh <laughs> And are you still in contact? You you hook up in no, no, 
no. life is like just like we did for a while and stuff but um yeah life has sort yeah. of taken over hasn't it really but yeah and are you married now in a relationship so i'm not married i'm in a relationship we've been together for five and a half years um we met in my early 30s we'd both kind of come out of relationships long-term relationships and yeah just kind of he moved from wales over here mm. not to be with me he says but definitely to be with me because i was like i'm not moving to wales and he's lovely but he doesn't want to marry me <laughs> sam i know he doesn't so want is to that because married. he doesn't believe in marriage or his parents had a bad marriage or where's that come from no his parents are together he grew up in a very happy household um he just doesn't see the point in it one he thinks it's a waste of money two neither of us are religious so he doesn't see the point in it in that sense so if he feels like it's a waste of money and we're not religious then he's like i don't understand why we need a bit of paper when we live together like you know we're every in every sense you know we're dedicated to each other mm. so he's just not budging so i guess i had to make a decision of what's more important him or a wedding so yeah and what about a family is that something is that on the cards no so i i guess i kind of always wanted kids but i gave up most of my 20s to a very horrible man and oh. um, it was a quite a violent relationship so by the time I broke out of that relationship, quit my other job and then started my own business, I was then in my 30s and in a sense was kind of living that 20 life mm -hmm. that I'd given up. Mm -hmm. And as time's gone on, I just kind of felt like I wasn't ready for children. And then when I met James, he was very much like, if I wanted children, it, you know that it would be something in our future but he personally has never really seen kids in his future so we left it open um i was very much like this is not a like i don't want it to be a no forever but as time has gone on and like he's restarted his life in his 30s i started my business and i just kind of like i love our life and i don't want to give half of that up to a child when in a way i've already done that to someone else in my 20s and a couple of years ago, I just had this moment, I was walking down the street, me and James hadn't had this conversation at all for a, quite a while about kids. And I literally, it was like I walked into a wall and I can remember having to stop on the street because it was just like this hot wave came over to me and I hadn't seen any kids. And I was like, I don't want any children. And it was like the first time where I was like, I can say this out loud, like I, I don't want children. So we had a chat and again it's something that i i feel like my mind could change quickly the other way as much as it has this way so when we're not we're not going to say never but kids are not in our future at all we we really like being able to do what we want we want how interesting <laughs> I think there's such a an assumption of women that you know you all that we all want kids and that's you know basically why we are here to procreate but it's often not spoken about i mean when you speak to your friends have you had have you been cross-examined and are they do, they do they not believe you or they do you feel like there's judgment do you think society judges you um definitely i would say it's getting better so i've been having this conversation with people since i 
was about 31. Mm. I'm 37 now. And I would definitely say in that time, I am meeting more and more women that either feel the same or are very relaxed and understanding. And I don't get those, well, what's wrong with you? Mm. Like kind of questions. But uh, over the years, I've had it all of, you know, oh, well, James is forcing you not to have children. Um, oh, you'll change your mind. Don't worry. Oh, it's different when it's your own. Don't worry. All the patronizing kind of like, and also I had one client actually, and I was about 33, I think. She was, you know, as you get to know a brand new client, never met her. As you get to know her, how are you? Blah, blah, blah. And she said, oh, have you got children? I said, oh, no, I don't think we're having children. And she said, well, you need to hurry up. And I said, excuse me. She said, well, you're 33, your body clock, you need to hurry up. And I said, but I just told you that I don't think we're having children. Oh yeah, you will, you'll change your mind. Most women feel like this. And I was like, oh, it was, the, she was quite aggressive about it. And I kind of thought, you don't know what's going on in my life. Like I could have just been told that I can't have children, which could be incredibly devastating to me. And you're portraying your opinion onto me it was yeah so I have had it all but um my friends are really good like I've got a real mix of friends some who are starting to have children some who already have children and some who actually feel the same that her and her partner don't want any children as well so I am lucky I think that is also a London thing being in a city most people are older when they start to have children um but yeah definitely have had a lot of judgment about it I think it's really important to talk about and you know I've had a couple of girls on here who feel the same as you and initially I'm a bit like oh and but me being nosy I'm just always so fascinated to to know what makes someone else tick and there's no right or wrong way is there I mean no. whatever makes you happy at the end of the day and plus no. right now I think it's a terrifying time to bring children into the world I mean yeah. what even is this place that we are living in now yeah, if like a year ago, maybe maybe 18 months ago, I said to James, like, do you think we're making the right decision? And he was like, okay, so let's revisit the conversation. Are you ready to give up this? Are you ready to give up that? And my answer was always no, no, no. He said, right, okay, well, there you go. We'll revisit again in another year. And then something came on the news and it was something about a, a teenage girl on social media. And I turned to James and I was just like, I, I can't, I'm not ready for that. Like, I can't even imagine what it is like raising a child. And this was before COVID, but with all the stuff going on, let alone having to deal, you know, with all the mental health of a child trying to understand the world in the last year. I, it does not make me want to bring them into this world any more than I did before at all. I know. I mean, there's so much, so much sadness. I mean, obviously a, a baby is never bad news, but you know, when my, when we started lockdown, my sister had just had her baby. And for the first, you know, six months, this little girl wasn't held by anyone outside her bubble. And she oh had God. real issues when we started being able to see them and pick her up. She was really troubled. You could see this baby was freaked out by being handled by other people and I just there's all of that attachment stuff right in those early it's just it's so messed up isn't it Sam yeah it's terrifying and I bet they would get really overstimulated as well Mm. Mm, definitely scary I can't imagine what it's been like for women and to actually give birth during all of this 
oh without their partners i know yeah. it's horrific oh so much of it is completely nuts now you just going back you mentioned that you'd come out of a violent relationship and you felt like that stole that decade from mm. you can you just tell me a little bit more about that so i um knew him for quite a while so when i left college and got my qualification i did do hairdressing and i did work for a bit in tv i then went traveling and when i went traveling i got offered a management job running pubs so i had a part-time job in a pub which when i came back was like why wouldn't i you know i'm 21 who doesn't want to be given a pub in central london so i went and did that my mom and dad were fine as long as i was having a career and not a jolly so i met him through working in pubs and he was a bit older than me we were friends probably for about four years mm. before we started dating and life was great for the first year maybe two years and at the time i didn't realize it but all the kind of emotional stuff starts being put in you know oh i've put on weight um oh am i really going out dressed like that you know oh, i'm spending too much time with my friends and i didn't really realize it at the time because i guess like pub life is just so busy and you're always out you're never home and i, I guess i never really had time to sit at home and think that's not okay the way he spoke to me or that was jealousy or whatever kind of thing and yeah like i hadn't had a lot of long-term relationships so i didn't really know any different I guess and then um it started turning physical um and it wouldn't like it wasn't all the time so there was a lot of times it was happy in the home like it wasn't like he'd get in a mood and give me a slap kind of thing it was a lot of it usually would be drink fueled or the day after drinking um and most of it now looking back would be like his jealousy so one time he we were in a bar in Islington and he thought so you know when you're at the bar and you're buying a drink mm -hmm. and somebody pushes in and you're like oh yeah I was before you ha 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 all fun mm -hmm. get the drinks go back to the table we're with a group of friends and he that was it he was in my ear so I'm trying to have a conversation well, because and, you'd uh, spoken to a bloke at the bar yeah so as far I'm as he's not. concerned I was gonna go home with this guy or whatever um and he was just in my ear in my ear in my ear to the point that I had then got frustrated and was like you just need to leave me alone like get away um and then he wasn't happy with that and over the course of about half an hour he'd wound himself up to the point that he then grabbed me and like yanked me away from our group of friends a couple of them were like oh don't do this or whatever kind of thing and then he like punched me so hard that i hit the floor i blacked out all i can remember is opening my eyes and i was laying on the floor of this bar and these three other guys who i had no idea who they were were leaning over looking at me and they were like are you okay he tried to help me up and i just remember being so humiliated and yeah it was just humiliation and embarrassment that i was like i'm fine i'm fine i'm fine and i just could not get out of it quick enough and of course i went home with him because that's what you do when you're in these situations you know i'd been beaten down emotionally so much that i was just like oh i just i'm 
yeah, I was just embarrassed. So we went home, we had a row about it. Of course, he was sorry, it didn't happen again, blah, blah, blah. I stayed with him. Um, and he did, to be fair, have a few um, issues within his family. And looking back now, I can see he was on the verge of probably a nervous breakdown, which I think he actually did have later down the line when I was finally- Was he an alcoholic too? I would say, I wouldn't say he was an alcoholic, but he definitely, like he didn't need it to function. Definitely alcohol was a massive part of his life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, things like that would just happen all the time. I can remember, so I then took a job and moved to South London. We didn't live together at any of our time that we were together, maybe six years. We didn't live together at all. And I moved to South London and I thought he would move in with me and he didn't. But then, of course, because we were so much further apart, it just caused more and more and more arguments. But internally for him, because there was, you know, I was doing nothing wrong. And this, I, oh, I was mortified. He came down and he, again, he'd got himself wound up. I was talking to some of, you know, the regulars who all have kids. I know their wives got himself wound up and he so he hit me upstairs and i can remember having this mark all the way down my neck where he'd grabbed me and my mum and dad came to see me and i wore a turtleneck and it was like boiling summer but i was like i can't let them see yeah so things like that would happen like quite a lot but yeah, and did you, you just, think did you think you were in love with him or did you think you just couldn't function without him? What made you I was, say? I was totally in love with him. Like, I, I, I guess it was harder for me to see it coming because we'd been friends for so long before and we had all of the same friends and it wasn't like I'd just met him and no one else knew him. I, I just, you know, it was someone I trusted. I didn't see it coming. So by the time it happened, I was like, of course he doesn't mean that like he's having a really hard time but deep down I wasn't strong enough to leave because as far as I was being told and no one else was telling me any different because no one else knew that's what he was telling me I couldn't do any better like it was my fault that this was happening we were rowing and we never rowed before because of the actions that I was I was making Whereas in reality, I wasn't doing anything wrong. It was just jealousy. And I guess the age gap was, you know, not helping. Um, and everything else that he was dealing with, plus the drink. But I was just, I loved him and he didn't mean it. And he was going to change and he wasn't going to do it again. So I stayed. I did leave him once. Um, I broke up with him and I was like, this is, like, I can't do this. And within a month, we were back together and he was like, I'm going to go and see counselling. And I was like, great, we'll work for it together. And then about six months down the line, it was worse than ever. And I was like, no. And this point I had met someone, not in a romantic way, but I'd met a guy friend because mm -hmm. I played rugby. So a lot of my group friends are male and female. And they, the only person I ever picked up on what was going on and was like, this isn't okay. Mm. And like, men shouldn't treat you like this. Like, look around you. Is this how other people treat you? Or, you know, other people in relationships? And he was the first person. And I was like, 
you're right. And it was because of the confidence he gave me that made me go, I'm not ugly. Like, I'm not a horrible person. I shouldn't be treated like this. That then gave me the courage to just go, no, this is it. Like, we are done. And yeah, it was really hard. To, he went mental at this. He came down and anything in my flat that was his, he was like, right, I'm taking that. And he would burn it outside the pub so I lived above the pub I had the flat the whole way so he would like he went down the side of I shouldn't laugh because it's absolutely not funny but he went down the side of the pub and he was standing there like burning like a pair of like shorts that he'd like <laughs> left in my house and I was like That's on fire <laughs> I was like are you kidding me it I oh, it went mental he would like storm into the pub like scream at like all my staff and things and I was like you need to sort this out and I then had to like say to his friends like you you're not stupid you must know what's going on here like you need to keep him away or I'm gonna have to get the police involved because not only is it my life but it's my business Mm. it's crazy did you ever get the police involved I didn't because he that it just took his friends to be like, you can't be going south like enough. So yeah, have you, have you, as a beautician, have you got involved with Behind the Mask, Julie Knight's Behind the Mask? So I've done the Behind the Mask um, course. Uh, and obviously at the academy, we get all our students and we talk about it. Um, I did meet Julie in the... Bonita Beauty uh, mm-hmm. conference in March um, and actually she gave her such a nice like her well it wasn't nice obviously given the subject mm-hmm. but the way that she delivered this um, presentation I mean you could see around the room everyone that it just gave me that confidence to go up to her afterwards and I was just like oh my god like I wish I'd met you before Mm. and uh, we had a little cry and I spoke to her about um a couple of other things that were going on with some friends and stuff which obviously isn't my story and um she gave some lovely advice and I was just like oh I need to I need to be more involved with this but then Covid's here and I guess everybody's kind of become a bit consumed in what's going on in our own houses but it's definitely something I would love to do more with I think we should definitely be more open about talking about it like if I look back now if one person had said to me like you know on an oh I had a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whatever and they did this that would have maybe not right then and maybe it would have taken six months but I would have grabbed one of them and said this is actually happening to me right now but because no one no one spoke about it I just thought it was normal like not normal but it was my fault I just thought it was this is the way my life is yeah well I mean it's quite scary that domestic abuse is really rampant right now with us all in in lockdown I mean that that's horrendous I mean and child abuse in fact but women can't get away from their abuse yeah and men actually men are abused too it's not just women I mean we tend to always assume it's women but men are can be abused as well yeah well the the statistics are going up from men suffering with abuse aren't they like quite I don't know whether that's just that men are finally finding a voice to be able to say whereas once upon a time they would have been embarrassed that they were you know being beaten up by a woman or whatever kind of thing 
um i can't even imagine how men and women are dealing with it now especially being in the same house i i because i know what my life was like and how horrific that was let alone in these circumstances in the same house with someone having control of all your money as well mm. i i i don't know what I, I dread to think what i would have done it'd be interesting to see what julie had to say on the subject i mean I know yeah. that it's becoming less taboo, so it's really good. I mean, that that we are getting better at, at talking about all of these uh, taboo yeah. taboo subjects. Um, so, but yeah, we just need to get out of this COVID quagmire, don't we? I think so. Yeah, I think it's great. Like one of the great things that people are talking about it is because you can see the signs, and like, for instance, I'm an incredibly chatty person when something's wrong even if it's just i'm ha i'm on my period and i'm having a really bad day it doesn't have to be anything major i go quiet that's my telltale sign and i think where we talk about this stuff so much more now compared to five years ago people clock that about me mm. and i think if we can really really talk about these horrible things that happen to men women and children then it's just in that forefront that someone will go, oh, so-and-so on a Monday usually always comes here for a coffee. They haven't. I'm going to message them and see how they are. Okay. Just really simple things like that, that back in my day, in my 20s, never would have ever thought that. And when I speak to like, you know, young women and men in their 20s, they do think like that now. And it is changing. I suppose social media makes it easier to check in with people and we're also accessible on our phones. I mean, it's like a double-edged sword though, isn't it? Social media is like a, a blessing and a curse, probably in yeah. a measure. 100%. I mean, you're brilliant at all of the social media and I know that you've done <sighs> trainings and I mean, you're, you're heralded, you know, as the kind of, you know, go-to person if you need to know how to do something on Instagram. I mean, <laughs> do you love Instagram and Facebook? do you uh i do it's taken me a long time to get there so social media wasn't part of my you know upbringing i didn't i got to go traveling and got to spend all those early years of being drunk and stupid with no photographic evidence at all that it was amazing so learning this social media was really hard but when i was at a turning point in my business where i was like right I need to push myself out there and I need to be making X amount more money. Otherwise I need to be cutting back on these treatments and doing these treatments. That's when I realized Instagram, that's where everyone was. Like I, I was fine with Facebook. It's a great way. I've got family all over the world. It's a great way to chat to people and stuff. I didn't really utilize it for business apart from like the selling sites. That's how I got my first clients. But then I was like, oh, I'm not putting my face. Like I don't take photos of me. Like I don't like, I'm, it's just not who I am, let alone, you know, doing a story and then Snapchat came out and I was like, I'm not cut out for this. <laughs> but when you i realized quite how like it's a free tool and it gives you access to so many not just your clients but it gives you a portfolio so even if you never have a client on there when a client is like oh i can't visualize what that is you can show your work rather than going on google and finding someone else's work also you could there's education on there you can get recipes like it literally is like i call it like a hello magazine yeah. of like anything you want 
So that's when I was like, I have to get used to this. And I forced myself. And I have to say, probably is a little bit of an addiction because like we will go on the good old days when we can go out for dinner before James like tucks in. He's like, are you taking a picture? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We, we laugh at people taking pictures of their food, but you know, and, and there's the kind of thing, why, why don't you just eat it whilst it's hot instead of yeah. getting the perfect picture? But everybody's doing it now, whether it's a cappuccino or a spaghetti bolognese, you know. Not everything. Our roast dinner on Sunday, James had me taking loads of pictures of it so he could put it on his barbecue Instagram. I mean, that's a bit <laughs> of a shame, isn't it? You know, in every kind of kids' concert, you know, I've gone to in the past, I'm sort of trying to duck behind to get a view from, be, you know, trying to get reach around somebody's bloody iPad that's oh. up in the air videoing it. It's a bit much having you an know, iPad. Exactly. How selfish. <laughs> but they pop up. They do. But, you know, I found myself videoing at concerts and stuff in the good old days. And I'm like, it's not the same watching it through your phone. Just put your phone away. Live the moment. Have the memory. Yeah. Trust your memory to hold that. And in fact, there's something very precious about a memory held in your head rather than on your phone because you kind of slightly skew things in your memory, don't you? And sort of rose tint things. I'll remember the days rather than, I don't know. I think we do it too much. I definitely do. And it gets me down. And it's actually quite boring. Yeah, I... Like... On the surface, I do love Instagram. Mm -hmm. However, I have gone through that being so obsessed with it that I compare myself to everyone on it, Mm. that I stick to one genre and that's all I see and that's all I read. And then I kind of, and I guess actually lockdown has been really good for that, where I've kind of reevaluated what do I want from Instagram? And actually that's when I started not really caring like, you know, if I, if I want to get some information out there and I haven't got my makeup on and I haven't washed my hair, I don't care. I need to get that information out there. And actually, when I looked at what I was drawn to on Instagram, it was like that real kind of, you know, I'm a real woman. Like, I'm a large lady. I don't look like the women in magazines. Like, I don't sound like them. I don't want to be watching those women on Instagram. And that's when I kind of started realizing, right. Instagram has to be reality and not Instagram. Like that's how I'm going to attract people to me and my business. And that's what's going to make me feel better in my heart. And since I've been, I've changed up my Instagram and that's the way I kind of view it. I no longer get bored by it. I no longer get that insecurity of like, oh, well, my lashes don't look like that. Or they've got five students and I only had one that month. Like I, I'm so focused that I'm just staying in my lane. This is what my Instagram is. And now I just look for inspiration or something funny and that's it. And I I agree with you. If you can't get your mindset out of using Instagram to compare every part of your life, you need to come off it. Mm -hmm. I've got a friend of mine who I'm like, do not go on Instagram. And she's her and me and her boyfriend are like, you cannot have an account because she will just bring herself down from comparing so much. I feel so sorry for the youngsters, you know, my teenagers, you know, how the hell do they, and TikTok, there's Snapchat, there's Instagram. I mean, I had none of that growing up. I mean, we didn't even have an answer phone, you know, you, if people couldn't get hold of you, they had to put a note through your door or keep popping around to, you know, catch you yeah. there. 
lovely. And I'd go out in the morning and come back when my belly was rumbling, you know. (laughs) Those were the good old days. God, I sound like a serious old fart, but that's true. And even when I started lashing, I'm not aware that there was any Facebook when I started. So I didn't know how shit I was. I definitely was. Bliss, blissful ignorance. Uh, I was the same. I don't think I went on. So I was on Facebook and that's where I was getting my clients, but I didn't see, like, no one was sharing. I didn't see anyone else. I didn't know anyone else doing lashes. And about a year after, must have been about a year, 18 months, that's when I went on Instagram and I was like, oh, (laughs) I'm really bad. (laughs) But it did kick me up the butt when I discovered Instagram. And I was like, it did give me the inspo and the you know, the goal, I need to be there, you know, and that's when I really ramped up my trainings and really took it seriously and thought, I can't dick about with this anymore. If I want to do this, I've got to do it properly. So yeah, that is exactly what I did. And like networking as well. Yeah. Like I would never, like I wouldn't be a trainer if I had never gone on Instagram because I would never have met, I've never done all the trainings I did, never have done the workshops to get to where I was, which would have meant I would never have met Jade who had never have, I just never thought anything like that was in my reach at all. So then I've met all of these people through Instagram who have all, you know, helped me progress, changed my lashes, changed my career, given me, you know, a different like ending point for my career. Yeah, so we have to say thank you. It's no good me sitting here moaning about it, really, because I wouldn't be where I am today, the same as you, without Instagram. So yay, Instagram, but (laughs) just be careful of Instagram. Yeah, I think just more people need to be real on Instagram. Like one of my most performing posts was I put one out a few weeks ago where I felt fine, but I was just having a bad day. So I just went, I'm going to put this on Instagram. And everyone was like, oh, thank you. Because everyone, you know, don't get me wrong, I really post about goals and like, let's be positive, et cetera, et cetera. But everyone was like, oh, I thought I was the only one struggling in this lockdown. I was like, no, we just, I think we just have to give our accounts a good balance of good and bad. And keep, keep your integrity strong. Yeah. So listen, talking of lockdowns, obviously we've been through it this year and last year. How was that first, you know, let's go back to the beginning of coronavirus. Let's go back to March. How was that for you? was not good so I've got to be honest um so I was one of these people and actually I saw one of my clients and she was like she works in NHS she's a physiotherapist and when I saw her in that summer bit where we could work before the next lockdown she went oh well, this is funny when I saw you in the middle of March and we were like oh it's just a cold what's everyone bothered about and I was like I'm still working I'm not gonna close so of course the reality when we were all forced to close I was like what and yeah I crumbled I cried my eyes out for days I was like I've worked so hard to have this business like everyone am I gonna have clients are people gonna want to come back I'm just really lucky that James is so chilled we are so opposite I worry about stuff that hasn't even happened yet Whereas he doesn't even worry about stuff when it's happening. Like, is I'm just so lucky that he he allowed me to have my few days of like mental, oh my god, like crying. And then he was like, right, let's actually talk about this. How long have your clients been together? You know, are you mess been with you? Sorry, are you messaging them? So then he made me calm down, put plans in. And I was like, okay. 
and because he's been able to work from home he's always worked we knew we you know looked financially how long can we survive etc so after that that took us to like maybe a week in april i just i just got pissed every day (laughs) i i am not joking me and james so bear in mind he's still working but he works a lot on like um us time and stuff and like he was working or not working or working at the weekend whatever we were drunk i reckon for all of april like it would literally get to like one o'clock and i'd be like bear in mind we'd probably get out of bed at 11 and i'd be like oh i think i think i'll have a cider today (laughs) oh i think i'm gonna have a mimosa and we were so drunk it got to may and i was like we need to stop drinking this is actually getting to a problem so then yeah I don't really remember it because I was just drunk um (laughs) and then I just enjoyed we're lucky we live in London we have a really big garden so I just sat outside I just built an allotment I grew every veg possible yeah I ate I didn't do any walks I didn't go out I just ate and gardened and sunbathed yeah the last half of that, I actually felt like I was on holiday all the time. So that was quite nice. I mean, we were out. We were, did you, were you getting frustrated with our moving goalposts because we thought we were going to be out about three times before we were? And finally, I think it's like the 18th or 19th of August. I mean, that was. Yeah, that was too much. I don't know if you saw my video on my one of my bad days where I went crazy. I, James was walking past me with a cup of tea and I was like, get in here. And I pulled him in because I work from home. And I pulled him in and I sat him on a chair and I got my ring light up and I filmed. And I was like, how is cutting his beard any different? How is this different? Like doing like, by the eyes. And I did this IGTV. And James was like, oh my God. Because I was just infuriated. Like I, I'm lucky. I do waxing. I specialize in waxing as well. So I actually got a couple of weeks of waxing in before we were allowed for lashes but obviously I couldn't do anything to the face and I have a lot of clients who have polycystic ovaries and have a lot of hair on their face and I was just like I'm not allowed to, I'm not allowed to wax you girls were calling in like oh can I have my brows and my lashes I was like I can't they're like but you're open I'm like but only for body waxing and I was infuriated seriously I, Sam could you could, could you not have just like the spatula just sort of slipped onto the yeah onto the chin i mean come on there's women there yeah wink wink i'm not gonna dog myself in (laughs) say no more i mean oh my gosh it was it was awful and i was literally like stalking the local barbers and things to see like if they were like waxing nostrils they were i did this one right around the corner at turkish barbers where james normally goes and i walked around there and i was like i came back Oh, storming. James is like, what's wrong? I was like, they're waxing in there. I can see them waxing. I was so angry. So yeah, that was bad times actually. Now I remember. It feels like so long ago. I struggled to remember. But yeah, I I couldn't handle that. No, but in a way it feels really short time ago. And then when you actually think about it, it does feel like a lifetime ago. So we got out, we got back to work. And just as we're all getting our mojo back, the cases start to go up, but we're getting a bit of money, felt quite nice. Life was feeling semi-normal. And then, boof, again. Yeah, that was bad for me. I wasn't expecting that. Um, Yeah, November wasn't a good month. Second of November, wasn't it? 
yeah, it was pretty much the hot, wasn't it? Start to the end of November. I um I wasn't expecting that. That came out of nowhere. I was literally like, oh, I'm back on track. James, let's start planning that holiday. Because we had to get I know it's first world problems and stuff, but like I haven't been able to afford a holiday for five years because all of my money went into my business. And this year was like, well, 2020 was the year that I was like, I'm gonna visit my mate in Canada, and then we were gonna go to a friend's wedding in Australia. I was so excited. So obviously got over that devastation. I'm unbelievably grateful of the position I'm in through this pandemic. But, you know, we're allowed to feel sad for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So at that point, I was like, we can do it next year because she's meant to come home in June. We can do it next year. We can still do Canada. And then that when that happened in November, I was like, literally toys out the pan. I was like, what's the point? What's the point? Like, I'm just never going to open again. <laughs> did, you, did you ever think about totally pivoting and stopping your lash business did that ever cross your mind I would be lying if I would say it didn't cross my mind but it did not cross my mind in a serious sense so I am very much an explosive type of person so if I'm in a mood I'm in a mood mm -hmm. and when I'm in that mood I'm like well there's no point so when this happened I was like I'm just gonna give up I'm gonna look for another job and that's it and James being James let me have my my day of like you know being angry but at no point did I, I did not go to bed that night thinking I'm gonna look for a job there were times where I thought I'm gonna look for a job because this is going on too long and I need some income we need some income but not on a to replace my lash career I was always coming back to lashes it's always a, it's all about multiple streams of income now though isn't it yes and you've got a side hustle. I mean, we've all had to get yeah. our side hustles. Tell we'll me about it. So my side hustle, I actually started in um, January, no, December 2019. So I love like crafts, everything. Like you name a craft, I've done it or I do it. And James got me like a screen printing thing a few years ago, which then got me into like vinyls and stuff. So I started like a t-shirt business back in December, 2019. And then January, I started training. So that was really busy. Then February, the world was going a bit crazy. So I stopped it. And then of course, all of this has happened in COVID. Now I spent the first lockdown either pissed or pretending I was on holiday. So I didn't really <laughs> do that. Like, I mean, I did a lot of online mentoring, so I didn't really think about it. But then as we were approaching the summer, James said to me about oh aren't you doing t-shirts anymore and I was like oh my god yeah so I reopened my business I know he's a good boy and he don't tell him that. I'm not going to tell him to listen to this oh, <laughs> um so I got that going again and I opened it up um but it's kind of actually taken a bit of a turn from conversations with like a lot of the like Jade Jones girls like the ambassadors and trainers and stuff I now actually seem to really enjoy doing a lot more like labels and like posters like affirmation posters with like foil lettering and I still am doing t-shirts and jumpers but yeah a lot more like labels t-shirt uh, labels um posters and now it seems to be going more into like vision boards and stuff like that so, wow yeah I love it and you've got new pieces on your website right now just give it a plug where can people find your yeah. site oh, so it's at dot no it's not at by dot sj so it's actually by sj 
obviously some up for Jane, but they're, yeah, the thingy, I'll have to write it down. So it's buy.sj and it's still the same green logo, obviously my branding colors. I've and yeah, so... your sweatshirts and your t-shirts. That must've been one of your early designs with these flashing through the snow with a little They were my first ones. Yeah, yeah, with the deer. I love them. I've got a fox one that I just need to think of a little saying to go with it. Um, but yeah, so I've just put up um, a whole load of labels onto the website. Um, and there's like a lash collection going up because um, quite a lot of the lash girls for their stock room are wanting like cleansers, like Emma Smith's got Emma like Smith's one for her got glue. Nothing. I saw yeah. them. They look amazing. Yeah, lovely. So they've all gone up. And then, yeah, I've just cracked foil lettering um so a lot of my posters i'm gonna do in foil like rose gold or like silver lettering rather than just like a plain black oh exciting so listen let's just talk about your lash career so i said in the introduction you've only been lashing for three years is that actually true yeah so i 20 I've got to look now, 2017. Yeah, 2017. I did a lash course in 2016. It was terrible. I will not name the company. It was a very, very well-known company. I spent a lot of money. I actually borrowed the money to go on this course and it was terrible. Um, that was actually still of the days where you had the um, oh, tweezers. Oh. <laughs> Tell me after okay <laughs> the x tweezers and it was a mat and the loose lashes which is fine if that's what was still around in them days but the actual course like, i didn't even get to work on anyone mm. there was too many people the room was like teeny teeny tiny which is fine like i have a small room but like if you if the room's not big enough to lay someone down why am i doing lashes like that's ridiculous mm -hmm. so i never did a case study i never completed it i threw everything away and i wasn't going to do it so i then redid it the year after because actually it was a school friend which was why i did lashes i was never really interested in lashes i just needed something to go with my waxing i was doing nails but i wasn't really loving it and she said lashes are the big thing you need to go and do lashes um so i then tried again and went and did a different course um I wouldn't say I fell in love with it. It was, the tweezers nearly got thrown. It was very frustrating. I'm not a patient person. Um, but once I went away and I had the, my own area and I started doing my case studies on people I knew, you build up your confidence. And I was just, that was it. Lashes, the only thing I wanted to do. And 18 awards in 14 months. I mean, literally, is that right? Have I got yeah. that the right way around? Yeah. Every single lash competition, pretty much, <laughs> your name has been up on that leaderboard. I mean, you have literally oh. taken it by storm. What's your secret? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like such an imposter, honestly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, um, I am a competitive person by nature, like, my family cannot play board games with each other so I think <laughs> I love I love that it's it's a competition with myself when I say I'm competitive I'm not competing for that first place mm -hmm. I'm competing with myself to do better than I did before You're pushing yourself so, Push yeah and my lash game completely changed when I entered a competition because when I did that set of lashes 
and I looked at the lashes that I'd done on the same person only a few months before the the difference in the work was unbelievable and I was like oh my god that's what I can do so then that spurred me on to be like oh well I won two awards but it was more like look at that work I did mm. rather than look at the trophies yeah so then I was like right well I've done those ones so now I'm going to do a competition in a different type of so that was pre-made that I won so I was like right now I'm going to enter a classic and a lash lift let me see how much my technique can improve from doing this and then it's, it has just got out of control to be honest. So your handmade so so for people out there when to give them an idea of how long they should be spending on their competition set so say you're doing a handmade volume set you've just recently won the lash social UK mature category with your entry yeah well done it was amazing Thank you. how long should people be spending on their competition sets would you say so my lash social was a handmade russian um it was on a mature lady so and i knew it was james's aunt i've lashed her before i knew she didn't have a lot of lashes so for her for that set i pro maked for probably bit by bit over a few days but collectively probably about an hour and a half to two hours of lashes i then spent three how hours many lashing lashes? Her. how many fans would you have had pro well, i didn't have enough because i had to make some and i was like lashing her and that stressed me out um for her i probably i probably made about 150 mm -hmm. for both eyes and i had to make a few mm -hmm. few extras but not that many so that was all in all five hours, including pro making, lashing her photos. However, when I lashed Lee for um, a competition in New York, which was a handmade Russian volume, it was only th it was a 3D one, but she has so many lashes. I reckon all in all with the pro making, lashing her, getting the right photo, I reckon that was probably about seven hours yeah yeah easily so yeah. don't expect girls to enter a competition and do a two and a half three hour set that's not realistic is it and they're no. not going to be that the difference in a seven hour set or you know a seven hour session is everything really isn't it you've really yeah. got to set the whole day aside yeah i never ever do a client on a day where or I might do what say I might do like a set of brows or a quick yeah. wax in the morning yeah. but once my model is in that is my whole day because I have been caught short before totally not realizing how long that competition competition set would do and then I've then got to do a client later in the day and I am knackered and you you just even though you're even if your body isn't tired you are so mentally drained from everything of making sure it is a hundred percent perfect and sometimes taking those photos is harder oh. than doing the actual lashes not like with me I got so always. stressed I we had to go and sit outside for a while and then I was like, oh, it's sunny. Maybe I can take photos here. I reckon I was taking photos of Lee for about an hour and a half. Yeah, I find the photos the, wor the worst, actually, because you are, you've had all the adrenaline, that's kept you going, and then you finish and you're almost ready to, like, chill out, but then you've still got to capture what you've created. And I I'm know. not a photographer. And my kids always say my photos are dreadful anyway. So to, I feel really under under pressure taking the photographs and you're just knackered. And I've always got a 
banging headache by the time I finished a competition set. Always, yeah. I have got better at like drinking water. And now I like almost prepare for a competition set of lashes. Like I'm preparing to go and play rugby. So the day before I will make sure I drink like three liters of water. The morning of, I won't have my cup of tea and I will have my cup of tea halfway through doing the lashes because then I haven't had my caffeine in the morning and I've drunk water. And now I think I am better. But when I look back at those first few competition entries, oh, I didn't eat, I had a headache, I didn't drink anything, I was so stressed. But that was the pressure I was putting on myself. Do you have a break? Do you let your model have a walk around in a wee? Do you find you work better if you have a break or do you just go in that zone and just keep going till it's done? So it depends. I never had a break when I first was doing my competition because I was like, well, when they get up, how am I going to know how to transition? Mm. Like, I still felt so new to lashing. And then it was when, I can't remember if it was Vicky or Jade's competition. I think it was Vicky's competition workshop. Someone asked about it. And she was like, yeah, you, you know when you put your dots? Mm. Like, that's your transition. Mm. And I was like, how did I not ever think about that? What, you so mean I the spent dots all on the eyelids? On the eyelids, yeah. So I was marking on their eyelids what I was going to do style-wise but then forgetting about it later and not even clocking. So now, if they have lots of lashes, if it's a handmade Russian volume, if I'm doing, like when I did mega volume pre-maids as well, I will take a break. I will let them go to the toilet. I will go and have a stretch. Um, But like if it's a set of classics and they've got a medium amount of lashes, then no, I won't. Mm. So it does depend on how many lashes they've got. But I definitely advise it. Like if you're going to do a competition, especially if it's your first competition, don't be putting that pressure on. And actually, when I lashed for the New York competition, had I not have got her up and had her eyes open, I wouldn't have moved. Like I moved where that longest length was going and that changed my set. Whereas if I'd have carried on, I wouldn't have seen that. And then I might not have won. Yeah, good point. So, I mean, obviously I want to encourage beginners to enter competitions because I've got, the Lash Angels have got their competition. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how key would you say it is as a beginner to enter competitions? Because I never did and I wish I had because it gets so hard as you go up through the ranks. Yeah, I, I wish I had. I never did. The first competition I entered, I had to go in the middle category because of when my classic qualification was. And then, of course, I'd won one competition. And then in January, I became a trainer. So that was it. I was in the highest category. And I was kicking myself. I wish I'd entered them when I was in the beginner. I just, I, from some of the women I've spoken to, I think the problem is, is that people feel like they're in a competition, like they're in the Olympics. And it matters if you come third over first or it it matters you know people don't realize that you get your scores and you get feedback so for me I couldn't have cared less if I came fourth and didn't get a trophy I was like I've come fourth out of 50 people look at my scores and then when you look at it you see oh actually that's only two points from becoming third that is just as big a boost to you especially when you're starting out as much as it is actually getting a trophy and then that feedback that you get is invaluable my first competition the feedback i got completely changed the way i lashed every single client and my clients noticed how different their lashes were i cannot recommend it enough 
but you need to remember it is only you're doing it for you do not put that pressure on that oh well people are going to know that i haven't won a trophy don't tell anyone you've entered then if mm. that's what you're worried about or you know you're worried that your work's not going to be up to par what you're, you're sending your work in to yes to be judged and i guess the word judged has a horrible connotation to it but you're sending your work to these people who you might not ever be able to train with for them to assess you and give you constructive feedback to make your work better that is invaluable to, in, in my opinion absolutely from, from a growth perspective yeah. even even without the feedback you grow as a lash artist just going through the process don't you because you critique yourself you you get the opportunity to do a set that you never would have done before as a commercial lasher you know who spends that long doing a set so you learn you see because you like you'd said you push yourself so you get that opportunity so you kind of get your own feedback and then you get the added brucey bonus of getting the feedback from the judges so you your growth on that competition journey is invaluable isn't it yeah so much i i honestly would not be producing sets i do today had I have not ever entered a competition and I've still got so much further to go. I think we're always learning, but I would just not be where I was if I hadn't have entered a competition. And Lauren, one of my students, she's actually going to be a trainer now. Nice she job. wanted to enter a competition and she did the same. My work's not up to scratch, blah, blah, blah. And I got two of her pictures and I was like, look at how much you've already progressed just with your training. Now, imagine if you did a competition set and you pushed yourself that bit further. From her doing that competition set, she learned three new techniques in lashing. And now her whole inner section is, it's like if she's a different person lashing. That's from doing one competition set. She would never normally have that time to sit and think about that when she's lashing around her full-time job and her children. She just wouldn't think about things like that. And the quality in her work now is so different because she chose to push herself that little bit further. Brilliant. So there you go. Lash artists out there, if you are two and a half years qualified or less, go and enter the Lash Angels. Yeah, <laughs> do it. Especially because sometimes you'll be a beginner, but you might only be six months in, but the beginner category is up to 12. No, sometimes it's up to 24 months, isn't it? So if your whole competition is two and a half years, and I'm assuming that's broken into different categories... Like there's no other competition that you would compete against that kind of bracket. We've done 0 to 12 months and then 12 to 24. But because of the lockdown, we've added an additional six months onto that. Ah. And in fact, our closing date was the 31st of January. But obviously, because of the current circumstances, as long as your certificate says you were two and a half years or less before January the 31st that you know we will still follow that whenever we do it whenever we're allowed out we will honor that so because we have to be realistic we haven't been lashing have we sam no no oh. <laughs> so listen what is your prediction if you can get your mystic meg hat on for a moment <laughs> when do you think we're going to be out <coughs> lashing Ow. 
Well, so I wasn't shocked by being off January once we had that November. So I always felt like January we'd be off and potentially February. Now, obviously, we're in it. I feel like we might be allowed back early March. I don't feel like life will be back to normal, but I feel like we might be allowed back beginning of March. And then I think everything else will start opening after Easter. Do you think what as lash artists you think we I feel like we'd be back? Yeah. Do you? So schools back first, maybe, and then small businesses like ours. I feel like yeah, because when you think about first lockdown, I know we had all that in out in out shake it all about kind of stuff, Mm -hmm. but we were still allowed back long before a lot of other people, and like when you look at how fast they're getting these vaccines done, the reviews on the fifteenth, isn't it something like that? And then isn't there like a half term? Have so I think they'll want to get the school. 15th of Feb, is, do you mean? I think, yeah, 15th of Feb is the next right, review. Right. So I just feel like when you look at it, like they are doing things a lot quicker than obviously with the first lockdown. I just feel like, why wouldn't we be allowed back at the beginning of March? I just think that we'd probably come out and go into tier four, obviously, depending what area we're in. Tier four oh, is basically I see what you like mean. lockdown, isn't it? So, Oh, yeah, because we're in that stupid tier five now, aren't we? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, although London, we're both London-based, allegedly our rate is down to 0.6, which is the lowest it's been since pre... That's mental. Yeah. So... And with all the New Year's Eve figures. Yeah. I mean, our hospitals are still Ramo, and they're saying the next week is going to be critical for our hospitals. Yeah. And death deaths. God. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the BBC News thing. That was one of my clients. No. Um, yeah, they uh, have been doing some filming in the Royal London, um, and last night they um, caught back up with one of my clients. She's Carleen. She's a nurse at the Royal London because they did a thing with her back in the first lockdown and it it's overrun mm. the the itu is closed she was saying and they've opened up another wing and that's closed and now they've had to shut the whole 15th floor she's like she's never seen so many patients in itu in her whole career mm. yeah grim oh. Oh, well i'm hoping for more <laughs> right. i think you've made me you've made me think it's not now so now maybe Sorry. i'll prepare myself for easter I don't know. The thing is, nothing would actually surprise me. I'm really trying to be um, tunnel visioned and not look at the news and not look at people's opinions and things on Insta and stuff. I'm trying to, if I need information, just look at the government website because the fact is you can be having a good day and then somebody says to you, of course, schools might not be going back until September. And then you're like, down, back on the floor. So for just self-survival... You know, I gotta be like this, blinkered, just na la 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 la, fingers in the ears, and la la la, not listening because it's too grim, it's too depressing. I agree. I don't know how people are watching the news every day anymore. In fact, I must take the BBC bloody news flashy thing off my phone because that keeps popping up and pissing on my bonfire. Oh my god, I know. I thought I had it off, and something came up today. Like one in ten people have COVID, and I was like, oh, thanks. Sam, it's been brilliant to talk oh, to you. Okay. I feel I feel like we've covered a lot of ground. I know, I know. I can't even remember what I've said. I just talk and I don't even know if I'm articulating myself properly. <laughs> that makes two of us. Well, I'm going to get this out today 
because I know people are keen to listen. And thank you so much. And um, take care and I'll speak to you soon. Oh, thank you.